Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. Hi, my name is Rebecca Gallardo, and I'm the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is connecting to your world, world building extras. I'm really excited about this topic. I think a lot of other people will be too, but before we go into it, Holly, let's go ahead and talk about what we did this week. Oh, wait. No, you've got a lot more than me. <laughs> well, I've I have been writing. Um, it, unfortunately, I did not make my deadline. <laughs> I did not work hard enough, and I let excuses take over, so I did not make the end of the year deadline. But I am still working on it. Um, I have lowered the word count just um, to basically a scene, or I think it's uh, fifteen hundred word. No, twelve hundred words. <laughs> I gotta wake up. It's twelve hundred <laughs> words a day, um, and then I also have found that I have taken the story in uh, the wrong direction. <laughs> so All right then, though I have left a couple of scenes in there, I have kind of X'd them out um, next to the title of the scene, and I put an X. Uh, that's probably why I tend to overplot and overplan. Because I haven't, like with Leaving Wanda Lucia, I didn't run into this. I did not take the story in the wrong direction. So this is frustrating. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, maybe it's something in the air because mine went way in the wrong direction, too. I mean, well, it didn't go in the wrong direction. It just went in a completely different direction than it had been going in. Yeah, mine went in the wrong direction. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, that that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, but go ahead. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's see. Um, the less exciting stuff first is uh, lesson nineteen is done. I'm I'm very happy. Oh well, except for I have except that I have to uh, write the chapter for this week. I haven't done that yet, but lesson nineteen is done. Um, and I am reading and noting stuff on Emerald Sun. I am looking for a definitive hook, which is like the essential conflict thing that that you want to bring from the first book and then into the second book where those are already done and then to make it the perfect what really matters about the first two distilled down into this question at the beginning of the third um, which is a big serious thing and I have realized and in fact I just realized this instant that the reason I'm still having problems with it is that I have not yet drawn my octopus map so I love I, that thing. Oh, I love yeah, that oh thing. Oh so God! Much. Oh, that thing got me through Longview, man. Oh, that was God. I love the octopus map. Yeah. So yeah, that and glass house. That was yeah. Amazing. So how did I not even think about that? I've been busy. I've been working on other stuff. So okay. Oh, hey. So I know what I'm doing for the rest of today is I'm being an <laughs> octopus map. But those okay. things are fun too. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. I love them. So, okay, but anyway, my big thing this week is actually the writing of Dead Man's Party, which is the novel that I'm writing for, as my demo novel for how to write a novel. And uh, I did something 
because you have to, in the course, you have to introduce all of the basics before you can get into the intermediate processes. Um, it took me a long time, uh, like 18 weeks to get through all the basic stuff of novel writing. So it's 17 weeks. So on week 18, um, which was last week's lesson, uh, I got to the first of the intermediate techniques and demonstrated something where you, you go in and you pick up things from the first five chapters. This is called Toys on the Floor, where you had ideas before you really knew what your story was that, um, that you're going to save because your story went in a different direction, yeah. but there's still stuff at the beginning that was really good. And so you bring that back in and those are your toys on the floor. And I was writing through and writing down my questions for my five different toys on the floor. And one of them was, um, how did cannibals get in the story? <laughs> <laughs> because I wrote this this scene and and I was oh I was answering the questions and then all of a sudden cannibals showed up that's what it was because I'm I'm now two weeks ahead of of, of that actual event there um and it was my my question that I wrote down as as one of my things that I needed to answer is why are there cannibals in my book there were not <laughs> supposed to be any cannibals in my book and as soon as I asked the question, my muse says, ooh, 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 I know, I know. Little hand in the back of the room, waving, wiggling, squirming in the seat. Got to tell me right now. And it's that the AI, uh, when she, she could not do, when she brought down the underworld. And this is, this is all in the AI book. It is a long story and stuff. But the AI, when she brought down the underworld in order to free humanity, couldn't do it slowly. She had to do it in one big, hard, fast, cut the cords kind of thing. And there were people who were playing a game, uh, a, a virtual reality game in the underworld called Zombies versus Cannibals. And there was, and the the hard cut did not allow them to exit gracefully. It did not allow the, the chip embedded in their heads to um, let them gradually kind of, you know, to, to break out of the game, shut down the game inside, um, and then roll back into their regular personality. It just cut them off mid-game. That sucks. <laughs> so now they're cannibals. Were there any people playing as zombies, or were you? Oh, were sure, they, sure. So but are there the, zombies the whole, too? Yeah. Well, they're they're not really zombies, though. See, the the whole thing was with this particular game they were playing was to capture and eat the other team. <laughs> and so you've got zombies, which which had certain rules for how their bodies worked, and cannibals who had certain rules. Cannibals can be hurt; zombies can't. But zombies can be cut into pieces, and people, you know, they just die. So, yeah. yeah, zombies can't die. So, so you've got these two teams that are intent on hunting down and eating each other. And, you know, because they're, <laughs> and a lot of people were playing this. And, and, wow. Yes. That is really cool. So now in the real world, there are cannibals and there are uh, zombie cannibals. They think they're zombies. They think they can't be killed. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, they can. 
But that's the only way to stop these guys because there's no way with with the underworld down. There's no way to reprogram them. I really want to read this book. It sounds super <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> it is getting weirder by the minute. I have got to tell you, <laughs> I am having fun with it. And one of the things that I discovered this week is that I want to make it funny because right now it's very dark and very grim. And when I go back through in my revision. I want to give it a kind of Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett sort of, you know, smart-ass humor feel yeah. where it's still about things that matter to me, but I'm finding the humor in it. So <laughs> um, the, I think the cannibal part is is the first step in that direction, as horrible as that is. So, yeah. But that it sounds, at least the way that you're bringing it across, it sounds like a more lighthearted, funny kind of book yeah. from, from what I'm hearing anyway. I haven't read it. So. Right. Well, there is absolutely no humor in the first part whatsoever. Nothing. <laughs> There's nothing funny in there at all. But um, that's one of those things where as you understand the story you're trying to tell, it can get funnier. Um, you just have to have characters with a different perspective on what's happened to them. The dead guy, um, he's got definitely going to have to have a different perspective. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, it, the, the book is Dead Man's Party for because one of the characters is a dead guy. Well, and that changed too, right? Originally, that wasn't the idea. No, you originally you, it yeah. was just... The, 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 the song just triggered this... You know, um, Oingo Boingo song triggered this sort of... I don't know. Just the artifact. It triggered the artifact. And and then it, it just went in a bunch of strange directions. And it's I'm really having a lot of fun with it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yes. Um, so, yeah, let's get into today's topic, which is basically saving your story um, with the world-building extras that we can create. Yeah. And the fun that ensues with them. So... Go ahead and take it away. Okay. Um, what we are looking at here is you are partway into a story or you're just coming up with a story and you have this, this sort of an empty spot where your world is supposed to be. You've got, you don't, you need something in your hand that, that connects you to this world in your imagination. Um, and I have done a bunch of strange things to get into this world. Uh, for one story idea that I was coming up with, uh, I was, I was working on knitting socks at the time. And all of a sudden I, I put together this, this strange little pattern of stuff, uh, just little, little knitting patterns. And I decided that each of these little symbols meant something and that, in these uh, patterns, people were walking across guarded borders with these secret messages knitted into their socks. Now, this is highly impractical because if you are uh, a knitter, you know how freaking long it takes to make a sweater or socks or, or whatever. Um, but it was just the concept of, okay, well, maybe they're faster than I am, you know? Maybe, these, maybe they're using really fat yarn or something. Uh, so that they can do this quicker than I can. But um, 
it was a tangible artifact from a world that I was building and from the idea of having to live someplace so dangerous that the only way you could pass messages across borders was through designs knitted into socks gave me this this complete universe and it's it's like that for me for everything um i can i can figure out one little item and from that little item extrapolate a world and, and that's one of the that's the very first thing i have people doing in how to write a novel by the way is creating an artifact but this is about connecting with your world and um i've done it with sketches uh for uh the talent for talon and hawksbar uh i developed i did drawings of their uniforms um for medwin's song in uh, uh the arhel novels Took me, took me a second to bring that back up, but <laughs> been a while. Uh, I drew pictures of her and her horse and the the uh, uh, hoose. I feel uh, like I remember the picture of her. Yeah, yeah. She had this spiky thing that had uh, uh, that ran across the top of her head, which was to stop downward blows from from the swords. Uh, but then it had feathers and stuff sticking out of the top of it. Her hair was all braided up into a, like a, a semi-French braid over it to hold the armor into place. That sounds um, right. Were there boobs? There probably were. <laughs> yeah, um, because she, well, I mean, she, it she was covered, but. Yes, because, yeah, because it was, it was an outfit designed for um, riding armor. on horseback. Yeah, it was and, armor, so. Yeah. What what it was it not? It's not going to be like the sci-fi pictures uh, created by men for the most part, right? Those little armored <laughs> no. bikinis. Yeah, no armored bikinis. No, this was actually practical stuff. Um, but yeah, I I might have in the the outfit. I probably gave her boob space because yeah. well, you know, you don't want to be uncomfortable when you're fighting. You need a little bit of space there. So. <laughs> You know that's practical <laughs> and you know the fact that it would look good on a cover well that's practical too yeah <laughs> um but yeah you and i have both done stuff for stories um i did oh god i have drawn so many aliens <laughs> I have, i do i have done so many little species designs for for our hell i drew full out uh, Kellinks and Hovies and um, the 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 Clawe. Um, that I can't believe I remember those names. But I mean, Jesus, it's been what almost thirty years now. Yeah. But yeah, but um, I I drew all of them in full detail and and little anatomical notes and references and how um, they're all six legged or six limbed, which is how the which is was adapted from that world where they had six limbed rather than four limbed things because the fact that dragons have wings and four legs has always just bugged the shit out of me so because no because everything on this planet that well i mean bugs bugs are different but all mammals and all um um 
uh, reptiles that have legs have four. It's not, you know, or two uh, birds have two legs and two wings. So if you have a four-legged creature with two wings extra, that's a completely different biological evolutionary design, and it doesn't fucking work. And it just annoyed the crap out of me. So I built these six-limbed creatures, which meant that my four-limbed human beings did not evolve there. That's not their world. And that was one of my big secrets, and anybody who had paid attention to the biology had a, a little... Uh, poke in on that you know this was this was no you can't have you can't have four-legged winged dragons in the same world with uh with every other rep four-legged every other reptile on the planet and every other um bird on the planet having this specific four-point um articulation and yes it's, okay, little things bug me. They really do. Little tiny things like that but bug the crap out of me. But it's cool, too, that people, <laughs> if they're paying attention to things and they know things, that can be like a little bit of a secret in for mm-hmm. them. Like, this is interesting. I wonder why this is like this. <laughs> right. Why are there Why are there two-legged, two-armed people and all the animals are six-limbed? Yeah. And that was a question I hoped people would ask. <laughs> So, you know, and then I only got to do the three books, but, you know, because I had, oh, man, <laughs> again, that yeah. was the series that was supposed to be my entire career. <laughs> now, with um, the artifacts and everything, what else yeah. have you created, like, for Silver Door, for instance? Oh, God, okay, maps um, for drawings of the houses um the drawing of the flying the airships which um the guy who did the cover art uh, i drew the the sort of dragon ship with the legs sticking out and the head and the tail and then the ship that it was built around which was not what he had envisioned at all when he was reading it which was why i sent him the drawing and he used it on the cover, so it was much smaller than my drawing because he said, well, you know, I can't really make it fit the size of the actual ship because then you have these two tiny little heads in perspective <laughs> in this enormous ship and you lose your people on the cover, yeah. which you don't ever want to do. But he had the, the design was from what I had sent him. Um, this that ribbon. is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. Uh, You try and imagine how your world is different from this world and why. And the secret behind Moon and Sun is a big one. And I have have hints all through the first and second books. And uh, I had, uh, reading through them, man, you can tell that I planned that thing for seven because there's so much stuff I put in there that's for, okay, well, this is for, you know, halfway through. And this is for right towards the end. This little thing right at the beginning is right towards the end. And I'm, I'm reading through it now going, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, because then some of it you have to let go of, and then some mm-hmm. of it you have to um, bring out earlier than you wanted. And I can't imagine, because in putting in just doing glass house i put a whole bunch of little things in there especially after we did the octopus map that one day Mm -hmm. i put a whole bunch of little things here and there that 
I don't even plan on necessarily touching on in these eight books that I want to do. Yeah. You know, because I'm I'm hinting towards an entire world and all of the stories in the future for that. So, I mean, I'll, I'll there'll be a small part and they'll be brought up again, but it's not this huge thing that is going to be later on in a different series as well. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's and and that's beautiful because it allows you to make your world feel real to the reader because there are just these little little hints of more going on because in the world that you live in there is this area that you inhabit and then there's all this more going on all around you and everything that's going on around you is somebody else's separate story that is as deep and intense and complete as your own and and by throwing these little things into your fiction you give that verisimilitude towards your uh to your story that that it's not just this flat one-dimensional thing it's just this and nothing more that the world stops right outside the page it's holy crap i could fall into this and live there forever yeah. and this is something i learned reading terry pratchett i started reading terry pratchett with strata um when i was in 11th grade i think and strata i think i don't yeah i might be wrong but i think it was his first novel and he had this flat world where guys were where guys were terraforming a world and they were hiding in dinosaur bones in this flat earth and i thought that's so fucking cool that they are building and that's why it was called strata was because they were building stuff into the world to make it real for the people who are going to inhabit it yeah and i thought yeah yeah not only not only did you do that in your book dude but you you showed how you did it that's just brilliant and it and i didn't i didn't want to be a writer for years but boy i was a reader and god i loved him <laughs> so it seems like that's such a a good thing for for a it's it's almost like it it kind of tells you what's important to you as you as you continue going on and reading and learning different things and then it's things that you bring into your own writing which i think a lot of people um, beginning, they don't tend to do that. Right. Well, it's when you're getting started, um, and it took me t seven years to get started, so you know, I, am, I am pretty familiar <laughs> with the process. You are trying to emulate what you like, but you're, you're trying to emulate what you like without putting yourself into it because you don't think what you have in you is enough to write yeah. the story. You don't think that your experiences are important enough to turn into fiction. It is only when you discover that your experiences are important enough to turn into fiction that your fiction is going to start to get good. 
And like I said, seven years. Uh, <laughs> seven years of sucking a whole lot. It's just being really, really bad. And, and putting together pieces and, and starting to understand that if I was going to do this, I was going to have to do it with stuff that I loved and stuff that mattered to me, at which point um, I built Arhel. For maps, you have flat maps, which was what I drew for Arhel and what I drew for Matron and what I drew for um, Cat's Creek. And Yeah, you've done a lot of maps. Oh, my God, yes. And some of them I still have. I lost most of the stuff when we did that you know, middle of the night move. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, never, never did make it back to get that stuff. So, but the stuff that I have now, I still have a lot of maps. I have an entire architect's tube full of these big six page <laughs> taped together pieces of paper, big ass drawn out maps for Matron and um, for uh, uh, Moon and Sun and uh, just a bunch of different things and, and Corey and, um, which was the Talon books. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I discovered three-dimensional maps. Oh, God. Oh, God. Indeed. Um, three-dimensional maps, you can't do a continent. You know, you can't do the whole wide world um, in flat map form because you just simply don't have time. But you can do things like uh, a spaceship or three. Uh, you can do an entire full-scale walkthrough version of uh, your space station. And my space station, I, I really need to update that and bring out the, the version that I've got on the computer we're on right now. Which, by the way, anybody, <laughs> if you have Minecraft on your computer, you can walk through these maps. She has them for free on her website. I will find the link and put it in the show notes. <laughs> I believe I have already done this and we've already talked about it, but just in case you haven't heard those episodes or you didn't go download them, (laughs) she's put a lot of work into these things. Well, it's it's a little work over a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because I was working at, I was, I hadn't even met Tony when you were talking about having put together your spaceship. Mm -hmm. And I've been with Tony for 12, 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is, it is a little work at a time over a very long time, but I keep using them. I keep going back to them because finally I get to write the world, my world that I, nobody gets to tell me, oh no, we don't want any more books in that series. So, uh, you know, they're not selling as well as we had hoped. We promoted them like crap, but oh well, it's your fault. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, they're not selling as well as I had hoped either, but I still get to write in that world. And I'm going to, damn it. <laughs> awesome. Yes. And I love, I love those stories. But it's, it is a case of um, being able to go through with, and I, I highly recommend my, Minecraft for this technique simply because you can go through a building. You can build a building and not know why it's there. So then you walk through and you plant these little signs in which you ask yourself questions. Why is this room here? Um, why is there this hidden space down at the bottom of this building? And I used uh, in, in Bailey's Irish Station in uh, Viper's Nest. 
I got to finally use this thing that I had no idea what it was going to be for when I made it, um, where there was this hidden doorway in uh, the in the um, ambassadors, no, diplomatic building. There is a hidden trapdoor in the diplomatic building that drops down to a sublevel of this um, official building. And there are horrible things down there, absolutely horrible things. And that was part of what triggered the Longview series, what put that story in my mind of, of, okay, so this is a place full of good people doing good things, but this isn't. This, this building, something bad is in this building. Oh, and the thing that actually caused me to put that down there was that I was playing in a different theme and the block colors were all different. So I grabbed ah. what I thought was a blue block, um, the, the dark blue that I had been using as the seals around all the other doors, the, the airlock seals. And I built out these, these things. And when I switched to my regular theme, I saw that I had built them in black rather than in blue. And my brain said, okay, so why are these different? Who made these different? What do they do that is different than the ones that are built, the O-rings that are built by the space station to protect its people? What do these do? Yeah, so and, that's another thing to mention, too, is pay attention to your mistakes. Maybe you want to leave some mistakes in there because oh, leave your muse your can mistakes. play with anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Leave every mistake you made because every mistake you make is not a mistake. It is a question to be answered. What is different about this thing? Yeah, then in Glass House, I used the wrong word in the description. And my muse was like, oh, shit. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, it, it was this moment of, of like an epiphany where that changed a whole lot of shit. <laughs> yes. It was yes. really cool. This, this thing that just comes at you out of nowhere, writing, writing along on my scene and suddenly cannibals. Cannibals. It's yep. Like, there are no cannibals in this world. Why are there, there can't be cannibals. This is only two years after the fall. Why are there, how could people are not going to turn into cannibals in two years? Oh my God. There was one thing in the walking dead that drove me up a fucking wall and just it it pissed me off so bad and i'm not even as as like um i i am not this highly intelligent person like you i mean i've got i've got a decent yeah, amount of are. intelligence but i don't like get irritated at at, at <laughs> the things that you do like like the inappropriate use of of four legs and two wings <laughs> well that's just because you're not a nerd like i am you're a different kind of nerd yeah I'm a, i am very <laughs> yeah, that's true yes. i'm not the exact same kind of nerd as you because i had no idea about the dragons and now i do it'll bother me but um i was watching the walking dead and i haven't seen any of this season yet but we were watching i think it was last season or two seasons ago and they find these people living in a basically a landfill which is smart and they've built up these huge walls and they've got this really cool zombie that's the one i was painting when i started my art journey mm -hmm. in 2016 or 17 um but they start talking to them and 
Wait, 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 wait. The people are talking to the zombies? No, no. Um, the, the main characters start talking to the people that are living in the landfill. Okay. okay. Because these are these are normal people. You don't I don't think you know at first that they're living in a landfill. They they find them elsewhere and then they are dragged into the landfill. But mm-hmm. they start talking to them and their language has already broken down. Mm-hmm. They they talk it it irritated the fuck out of me because as soon as she starts talking I yell in the house and I I startled Tony because I remember he he jumped and he looked at me. <laughs> it, he gave me that look. But um yeah, I yelled at the TV. I'm like, there is no way it's only supposed to have been three years. There's no way their language would have broken down. And I, mean, right. I was I was ranting and I stopped ranting until the advertisement came on because I wanted to be able to hear what the hell was going on. And then once the advertisement came on, I started ranting again. So Tony couldn't even <laughs> forward through the advertisements. He had to just sit there until I was done. But that that pissed me off because even, in, even if it's supposed to have been six or seven years in the TV series, if we're not going through the books, which is supposed to have been like three years or two years or something language would not have fallen apart like that it took centuries and centuries for the different asian languages to be simplified the way that it has been Mm -hmm. to to kind of be boiled down and even even some of the mandarin is one of the most confusing difficult languages to learn and part of that is because of of all of the different things that have happened over the centuries. There is no way that the English language would break down within three to seven years. No. No. You know, you don't even get dialects in three to seven years. You don't even get accents in three to seven (laughs) years. That takes, you know, 15, 20, it takes more than one generation. So if you're running through generations, if you are reproducing rapidly um, and you are isolated, uh, and your older speakers are dying off relatively quickly, you can have, in by about your third generation, you can have a, a, a different accent um, because you will have lost the original speakers. Yeah. And you'll have a, a brand new group of new speakers. And, you know, if you have Valley Girls, all bets are off. But, <laughs> you know, because if you are intentionally attempting to break the language, well. <laughs> well, yeah. If And sometimes it's it's not even an intentional thing. Sometimes you just get surrounded and, and you, you it, like when I was here in school, when I, when we went to um, Georgia the first time and I started hanging out with all of these people and I started kind of like trying to acclimate Mm -hmm. I got an accent (laughs) well yeah but I think a lot of it is also like how badly do you want to belong to an area but yeah this is this is completely different but at least it's still something that goes towards fiction it's still things that fit within fiction yeah yeah so (laughs) so yeah that no that makes perfect sense that that whole break the language because it will be cool if we have them yeah. speaking a different language yeah, yeah. That's- luckily luckily by the end of that that area though they did have her speaking normally so it was all an affectation to create this group which i liked i actually once they and they never explained it but once all of her people were dead spoiler alert um and she started <laughs> talking to the main character she was talking normally and i realized she had created this mindset. She had created these this group. And part of that was the way that they spoke. Mm-hmm. And it it created this kind of isolated, we are together, we are one 
kind of of group that they needed in order to survive. Okay, which well, I, yeah, I ended up liking that. Yeah, well, a specialist vocabulary, that's important. I have developed those. Actually, <laughs> that kind of fits in with what we're doing here, in that, uh, or what we're talking about here, in that I have developed specialist vocabularies for magic users and uh, for uh, magic, for, for ghost hunters and for um, just these different groups of people. The military does that. The, mm-hmm. So that and it changes its its vocabulary frequently, so that people who are attempting to fit in but don't fit in can be identified, and that's just smart. That's just, you know, protecting the people who are doing something important from people who are trying to stop them from doing something important. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's and you know I I think that language is another thing that you can build. God knows I've built a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. I, I built several separate languages for our hill. The Klaue had their own language. Um, various groups, the, the, the kids up in the jungle, the Wen. Um, the Wen had their own drumming language, and uh, they were passing messages back and forth between various tribes. And the, the citizens in the city had a language, and the Tonk had a language, and everybody had different written languages. And the I Tonk had, wasn't in Arhel. Oh, no, the no, Hoos. the Tonk wasn't. Yeah, that's, it was the Hoos that were the in Hoos. Arhel. Yeah. Yes. Well, see, <clears throat> yeah, a little bit you, of, You've mentioned this before, that the, the Tonks were, were actually stolen from Arhel. Yeah, because I wasn't done with them yet. <laughs> yeah. So... So they got their own damn books because yeah I the, love I man there is so much realist there there's just so much depth to talent when I'm reading it and and you go into the all of your books though it's I uh, I don't know well, okay I, I'm probably gushing the way that you end up gushing about my art I'm probably <laughs> yeah I probably do this a lot but but with your what you're talking about with the languages I actually used your create a language clinic. Um, back in 2006 or seven, it was when Tony and I first got to get, so it was six because before we moved and, um, I created, I went through and I created a language specifically for these werewolf characters that I had created. Um, they were human, but they, they were werewolves. So Mm -hmm. their first language was, it was like this mixture and it, it, I just, oh, I lost the notebook. Oh. Someone somewhere has my freaking notebook, I'm sure. But I, it was one of the coolest things that I had ever really done for myself at that time because I was 23 or 20, I think I was 24, 23. And it was, it was just, I had done a whole lot of cool writing and cool creating and backstories and all this stuff but Mm -hmm. it was one of the first things that I had ever done where I knew that my brain actually did function that I wasn't stupid (laughs) that I could learn to do things I knew that Um, all along yeah well you're the mom though (laughs) um but yeah it was it was really a lot of fun and it gives you this feeling of creating something secret and something magical and it 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 was 
oh man, if, if anybody who's listening, if you get a chance to create a language and do it properly, definitely, definitely do it because anyone can scribble down a whole bunch of words, but create, actually creating a language, you, you kind of, you, again, you feel that, that overlord feeling of, of, of a writer. <laughs> yes. Well, it's language is an interesting artifact to put into a book. Because at the point where you build your own language, um, one of the things that I show people how to do in that is how to create concepts that don't exist in English. Because one of the things that language does is it allows you to think specific kinds of thoughts. And if there are no words in your language for those kinds of thoughts, then you can't express them to anyone else. You can't make them real in your own existence because you don't have a way to understand them. So one of the things that I did was showed people how to invent concepts that don't exist in English or in whatever language you speak. This is this, uh, a lot of folks who speak other languages than English as a first language have taken that class. Um, and the process, it's just a process. It will work no matter what language is your first language. But uh, I use that when I'm world building so that I can develop cultures that are not like ours. Because at the point where you come up with concepts that don't exist in your language and your culture, then you figure, okay, well, why is this culture, why is this concept important? How do they use this concept? Yeah. Um, what sort of a society has built up around it? So language is not just the words on the page. Language is this conceptual tool that allows you to think thoughts nobody has ever thought before. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. It, it, that's oh. that's um, the... I can't pronounce it right, but Snow Grill in Talon. Um, you, you get little glimpses of, of his his culture through his actions. And one of the, the languages is like they have all of these different hand gestures mm-hmm. <laughs> that, um, that Gare didn't bother to memorize, but he knew a couple of them and he wasn't sure what they were. And they, he, he mentioned he didn't know if it was this, this or that. And they were hilarious. The names that were given, you know, it was like <laughs> woman, I wanted, uh, the woman, I wanted to futter, uh, <laughs> goddess of, of something. I don't know. It was funny, but it, it gives you a view into their culture just from something so simple. So as a writer, creating a language and using those concepts and using what it will, what is important to this culture that they would have these hand gestures to mean something tells you a lot about the characters that you're writing. So uh, the other kind of map that I wanted to mention was word only. And I have done word only maps for Moon and Sun and uh, Talon and uh, Hawksbar and all of the, the Longview stuff. Uh, where what you're doing <clears throat> is you don't really have the idea yet, so you're you're writing down, you're, you're looking for what matters to you in the story. So you just write a word that you think might be important, and you draw a circle around it, and then you draw little arrows out, and you write words that are related to that word. And then you follow those ideas and you make other arrows and you write other words and you circle them and it's a concept map it's um like a mind map Mm -hmm. and but it is a mind map with these specific 
goal of answering the question, what do I want this story to be about? Or if you're stuck, then you go in and you do this and it's how do I fix X problem where X you're solving for X, where X is well, um, cannibals or, <laughs> um, just, you know, anything. I, I didn't actually have to do that for the cannibals issue because my muse already knew it had that loaded up and ready to go. The second I asked the question, it was like, me, 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 that annoying bastard at the back of the room with the hand up squirming in the seat going, I know, I know, I know. I used to be that person, by the <laughs> way. I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, that, so, so what you're doing is you are, you are with that kind of mapping, building an idea. And as you go through and then look at these words and ask yourself, how do they relate to each other? Um, what about them is good? What about them is bad? How can this, how can I pull this kind of concept that I'm building into my story? Then it becomes much, much, much richer. And I I still have a lot of those maps too. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah, that's the stuff that you build. So, is there was is there anything else that you want, or anything that we've missed here, or stuff that you do? Um, I mean, you you tend to cover it like the artifacts. I'll create items um, with with glass house. I made a bunch of different little things, uh, different areas on the maps turned out to kind of harness a different kind of energy so different magics were stronger in those areas um the native american tribe that i have out there have their own valley and it kind of created this ability to isolate and keep their world going long past when a lot of uh the world started to change and they had a specific treaty that um, meant that they were also left alone for the longest amount of time. So they are still on their original land. And that has a lot of history and a lot of magic for them. Um, and I had created them just from like different artifacts and different ideas of how long... Fulton Hills had been magic and by creating these different areas on the map where different magics had different amounts of influence on the town um it it became okay well there's an ancient magic and this area is kind of alive and of course the first people to have found it would have been the Native Americans and it's kind of why they settled in the valley um there's a lot of creator or or creations um creature creatures <laughs> that maybe kind of live within Fulton Hills too and I'm talking a lot about Fulton Hills glass house is not set in Fulton Hills it's it's set in Standing River which there is this runoff of magic from Fulton Hills that is kind of leaking into Standing River right but Fulton Hills is your big world your yeah yeah and passion world yeah yeah the one that I've been working on since I was 19 and in little areas here and there um and the the entire world like all of Fulton Hills 
the the magic is an issue and it's beginning to run off the same way that maybe a, a nuclear meltdown it would you know <laughs> so there's there's kind of this toxic waste spill look to the magic that is is getting you know out there and it's that's where standing river when we get into the books that's kind of where they are now there's this influx of things that they don't understand and nice. yeah <laughs> um but there's a, a I'll do sketches um I'll a lot of the time I actually write little snippets and because I am so involved with the idea of Fulton Hills it's kind of like my muse figures okay well this is just another part of that world and then it figures out how to add it so Fulton Hills is actually pretty deep there's a lot of depth to it mm-hmm. but like little snippets here and there if I if I find myself um not able to work on what I am currently you know focused on uh if if I'm feeling a little bit like I don't want to write, I'll write a snippet and nine times out of 10, it's either a zombie snippet or it goes into Fulton Hills. And it's so weird, but. (laughs) No, that's awesome. And listening to you talking about your map and about the different areas on it reminded me of the importance of maps. And most people do not appreciate a good map. I became a map junkie when I was nine because my dad taught me how to read topographical maps and showed me the area of Alaska that we lived in and what those little lines of height and, and the waters and the depressions and the, the elevations and stuff, how that worked and how to read that. And I, I fell in love with maps, with a topographical map of the area around Bethel and uh, Queethluck and you know, uh, north and west of there. And... I have been have been just a, a map junkie ever since. But the thing that maps do that people don't appreciate is they show you, they ask the question, what is different and where is it? And if you, if you look at any map, there are lines. There are lines on a map and there are dots on a map. And the dots mm. show you this place is that. important. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I went into this because this is a thing for me. I went into this way, way back in How to Think Sideways. Um, yeah, 2008. Yes, where this is, uh, the, this is the concept of the dot and the line. Um, the dot is something is important here in this spot. And if it's a dot, it's, it's like a town or a city or a nuclear waste dump or the place where the gremlins live or um, you know the, the haunted haunted something or it but it is something specific that is important if there is a line the line says there is something on one side of this line that operates differently than the thing that's on the other side of this line if you look at the border between um, between the United States and Canada that line that runs across there um, is what is the 54th parallel? I, I, ah, fuck, I don't even know. But um, that line right there says, okay, on if you go north of this line, the rules are different. 
all the rules are different and medications are cheaper. If you go south of this line, um, all the rules are different and medications cost an arm and a leg if you don't have health insurance. Um, and the uh, the same thing with different states too. But if you if you wanted to see a true, you know, almost rabid and political divide within a class, um, the dot and the line when it first came out, there were the people that got it, and then there were the people that did not. I was one of the ones that did not, and I'm like, this shit, I don't understand. What the hell? I don't understand this shit. And it was like this this political divide between it. The other ones were like, oh, but it's so simple. It makes so much sense. And everybody else was like, fuck you. I don't get it. But yes. of course, everybody was much more polite than that. They, they were. There were. Everybody was very cool about it. But there were, and and for me, because this was this was something that I had been trained in from the age of nine. You know, if you get lost, this is how you find your way home, and this is these are the kinds of landmarks. There are areas that that are depressions, and there are heights, and there's don't wander past this point. And these are you know this was this was presented to me as this is shit you got to understand so at nine i got it because i had to but it was also but, the way that you were describing it to the class too because yes. a lot of people have since understood it it was right. just like see this dot is important see this line it divides this and another dot and everybody was like what the fuck <laughs> what <laughs> what and then the yes. other people were like oh i get it i'm like can can I have your brain for a second so I get it too? Because I don't get it. So yeah, so so I had to give examples. Yeah. And I thought that I had in the lesson, but even sometimes with examples, there were people who had a hard time with that concept. Yeah. Because it is an abstract concept. It really is. It's very abstract. Um, <clears throat> maps are were a genius invention from whoever came up with them way back at the beginning of time, and uh, the Eskimo kids that I would play with we would there they had this thing called a story knife that you would sit on the mud because alaska the part of alaska i was in was really really muddy and you could take this little knife and make this smooth smooth surface in the disgusting mud and then you could draw images and explain how to get from place a to place b which was a way that that, that the people who lived there used to communicate well okay this is where we're going to go this is what we're going to do it's like you know um battle plans for the hunting trip or the camping trip or, or you know, the, the fishing, this is, this is where the fishing is good. And so I was getting this from my father with the topographical maps. I was getting this from the Eskimo kids where we were telling stories in the dirt with, but, but it is, it is a, a form of storytelling, a map. It tells you a story, but you have to, you have to already have the concept of the map. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people don't don't use maps, have never had to use maps. So there is that leap where you go, Oh, oh, okay, okay, I get it now, but it you know Yeah. A lot of maps I've seen that um from writers that are bored with maps or don't understand the 
the full depth of what they can create within a map is just okay well this is where my character lives this is the street here's another street here's another street this is the store that they have to use so they draw out all of the and that's fine if if you need something so you know what direction so that it makes it easier for you to visualize how they get somewhere and then easier to explain the important parts of that in a story that's fine um, that's, in fact, that's all I've really done for leaving Wanda Lucia. For, for the world of Wanda Lucia, it was just basic maps because mm-hmm. there's no cool, weird magic shit there. But right. for Fulton Hills, I was just drawing out all of these different things. Like I put forest in there that I didn't even, that I figured, okay, well, I'll use this later. And it became a really freaking cool forest, I think, after we did the octopus map. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went back through and I realized there was this area here that was dividing different parts. Um, And it, there is a very specific place where the Noho, which is my tribe, which it's, it might just be a working title, but that's the Mm -hmm. shortened version of their name. The Noho bury their dead in a very, very specific place, specifically because there is no magic in that area. The land is is quote unquote dead, so there's the, I think part of it was because they were fearful of their their people coming back to life, mm-hmm. and not in a good way. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's a thing to keep in mind because you know yeah. it might not be your people; it might be somebody in your people. Well, it's it's something. Yeah, it was still their people, but it it had changed mm-hmm. them um but there's just so many stories in fulton hills and a lot of that had to do with um the snippets that i was writing uh the maps that i was creating where i did leave little areas or um because i remembered growing up and i think i was a teenager or preteen i was a teenager um when th- you were drawing the the circles on the map for secret texts yes that was the magical bombs that ended up changing the world and all this stuff but when i drew the circles i had no idea what it was yeah exactly yeah so i had learned and i remembered that because i was there when you were doing it and when you were building everything and i was watching and so i didn't draw circles but i left out things and well i did draw big circles that kind of intertwined Mm -hmm. and I've since, I think, lost this map, but I still remember the concept. I did, I grabbed one of the bowls that you had, had given me um, when I first moved out. So this is not a cereal bowl, even though Tony uses the last one that I have as a cereal bowl. It's huge. Um, and I, I used graph paper like you did, and I drew all these big circles, and they intertwined um, in the middle in, in different areas, too, because I didn't want them all to be you know perfectly uniform yeah yeah so there were some places where certain and that was that turned out to be certain magic so you can use any kind of magic in fulton hills but there are certain areas in fulton hills where it's stronger where you have a better ability and that's cool yeah and it's just because the land there are certain aspects of the land that help you know whether it's minerals whether it's there's a lot of water whether it's there's just a lot of fauna um it just depends on 
the area and what what the world around is is what the land is is drawing that magic from i mean this is this is just from my knowledge of wicca from my knowledge of of science in general and the way that the different elements can affect different things mm-hmm. my my concept of magic is very is more science-based but also it's, it's like okay well how does this really work if i'm looking at wicca i'm like okay well why does this crystal have these aspects <clears throat> so right. when i was building the map i i started wondering okay well why does this water or why does this magic work better here and then there are areas where when they intertwine well that's maybe two or three different kind of magics work really well here the thing with the noho valley is it's it's kind of centralized um in the fulton hills land in in that magic spot because fulton hills is to the right the valley is to the left and then there's this big kind of natural park that's Mm -hmm. all around it and the valley is actually in the center and it's a very very magical holy spot for for the native american tribe there because everything runs down and in yeah and it's it's just it's really really fascinating and the more i talk about it the more i feel like i i don't want to write wanda lucia anymore you know (laughs) yeah yeah where you got this this whole thing that you just yeah i understand I do. Yeah, because I know you want to write the Emerald Sun, but at the same time, you don't because you want to get back to Katie's space. world. Yes. yes, yes. But that's that's the magic of, of just having created a map and also doing research. Well, um, that's how your ideas wait for you, too, is if you build these, these artifacts and these maps and things, then if you're stuck away from them for a while because you have to do something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, then... I, was, I was just trying to um, get back into the main, because I know we, we do tend to veer <laughs> off and talk a lot. Yeah. But I was trying to get back to the, to the main point, which is, you know, connecting, like you said, it's connecting to your story. It's connecting to your world. And for for something, we're, we're talking in these really big, fancy sci-fi and and um fantasy worlds but even for wanda lucia which is a realistic world um i created pete's bar which was the main character's love interest in the first book um i created his bar and he lived above it and he didn't have very much stuff and he, he was doing fine financially, so why didn't he have all this stuff? And what is he connected to? He's got a whole bunch of, of um, Basset Hound figurines. Well, why does he have those? You know, and it was it was creating a character that lived here. And why does he still live here? You know, and, mm-hmm. and as you create these little things, you start to connect to the character. You start to connect to the world. Why is it so important to him? Well, his uncle and his aunts are there as well as his mom. Mm-hmm. And you start to kind of connect more to these all of these characters too. Yeah. So it, it can be just something that simple. But it is a way to connect to the story, which is the whole part of the point of this. Um, when you draw a dot or when you draw a doodle or when you figure out an artifact. Like Holly has an entire video on artifacts that's 
the sound is kind of bad, but it's so important. There's so much good information in there. And, and you can see how passionate and, and she is about it. And it, it really makes up for the sound. So we'll link that in the show notes too. Okay. But if you can create an artifact or if you create dots in a map and you can figure out why, then write your snippet. Start telling a story to yourself just about that one area. Start learning the history of that one area. And maybe that history will never even make it into your fiction. Maybe that history will never be found by any of the readers. But you know it and you've connected to that part of your map or your part of your story. And that'll come through. But yeah, well, that's it's like the it's like the fact that the vertebrates in our hill uh, that are native to the area have six limbs, and the ones who aren't have four. It's a small thing, but to me, it was really important because it was the whole back history of that world related to that one tiny little di- Well, it's not a tiny little difference. It's a really big difference. It's a big difference, but you, a lot of people won't even know to look for it. And when right. you finally get to that point and you say, well, this is why we have, you know, Yeah, this is why the vertebrates don't, yeah. don't look like they've evolved from each other. It's because they didn't. Yeah, that, that would have been a mind-blowing revelation. It, for me, absolutely, it would have been like, wait a minute, what? Because your brain would have seen all of this, mm-hmm. having six legs, but there's so many stories out there where it doesn't matter right? as well, that when you finally got to that point where it said, okay, well, we're not from here, this is, this is the proof, I would have been like... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I was doing the hand on the the exploding head thing, but th- that would have been just mind blowing. So, so that we have kind of covered the benefits here, but I want to to be exp- explicit about uh, what the benefits are and what the problems are of doing this too, because there are some problems. With oh yes, doing. <laughs> I already this. know what one of them is. <laughs> So first, let's do the benefits because those are happy. Um, this is a great conflict generator. This gives you yes, yes, a way to create in your story something that is not people arguing with each other and calling that conflict. This is you've got an idea. Go ahead. Oh, I've already got something to say. Okay, so I was talking to a girl, a friend of mine uh, that I met from another friend, and she one of her one of her issues was conflict. She was like, how do I keep going and keep going and making it interesting? And I was like, well, give me an example. And she said, well, Harry Potter, you know how there's all of these different things, even in just one story where the conflict keeps building. And I said, okay, what you're looking at here is there is a lot of conflict built within this world. It's, it's if, if you want conflict to continue this way, you have to look at the world around you and I mean, in your story, look at the world you've created and keep pulling conflict from that. Right. Well, you you know, with fantasy or with science fiction or with paranormal or with um, whatever it is that's offbeat that you're bringing to this, you've established that as your conflict generator. If yeah. you are writing something in the present day, um, it's a little tougher to find a repeatable conflict generator. But uh, you can do it with the maps, like you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Absolutely, because at the point where you... Okay, here's my example for this. Um, I was doing 
uh, a story, uh, one of the romance novels that I did, one of the paranormals. And I was using our old place um, in Todd Circle. No, not Todd Circle. Think hard. Oh, I was going to say, I love Todd Player's Circle. Place. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Player's oh, Place. Oh, Player's Place. Place. Yeah. <clears throat> Player's Place. Right. And I had the I had it set in our little, little condo thing in Player's Place, which had, as I was looking at it, and we were living in there um, at the time, a very dangerous layout. Yes. And I didn't <clears throat> even realize. Now, I thought this one was for Midnight Rain. Um, yeah, that was for Midnight Rain. Then I used that. Yeah, I was okay. gonna, I was gonna use Laurenburg for that, and then the story changed, mm-hmm. and I ended up setting it in South Florida. I ended up sending it in Player's Place, and I ended up with this place where there were balconies on the outside. Spoiler these, alert. <laughs> yes, yes, and these little fenced yards that shared a fence, so that you could, you know, if you were willing to do so, crawl under one fence and. And, and to the other side, and where the walls backed onto each other. Yeah. And where there were two apartments, and they had a wall that backed onto each other. Um, and there were two stories. And they were very nice. I mean, it was, it was a pretty place to live. But Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. But as I was thinking, okay, now what would I do if I were a bad, bad person? Yes. <laughs> because my bad guy was a bad, bad person. And um, I did this weird little game that I was playing with myself um, because the the main character was a tarot card reader. So um, I had learned how to read tarot cards and uh, was using that as the backstory. And so I said, okay, let's say she throws a tarot, she throws a reading. And I threw it out. And one of the things on one of the cards was this little secret door. And it was uh, the Mother Peace deck, if you're interested. Right, and I can yeah, see if I can find deck. the card because I still own it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, did I give you that? Or No, I wanted you to give it to me, and you said you would, and you forgot. So it got tossed. So I okay. bought my own yeah. Mother Peace deck. Yeah, well, you know, you <laughs> research it's, stuff only yeah. hangs around for so long. Well, <laughs> you already knew how to, to throw tarot cards, too. Like, oh, you yeah. already knew how tarot cards worked and you had different yeah, well, decks and carrie was, walters taught me that's she cool was, yeah yeah she did that was it was one of the things that we were doing in the writers group and she said well no okay here's how you do this and i went okay and then i bought the book and i learned a little bit more about it and then i used it for a character but um let me see anyway oh yes so yeah the secret one door. of the things yeah was that this this card that had a little door in the middle of it and i stared at that and I went, oh my God, that's how this character is doing these horrible things. And, and that's how she's going to get in really big trouble and things are going to go so bad. And it just, it was the answer to everything was this, this concept that was drawn from this real world setting that I knew. It was a map of a place that I had lived in and was actually living in at the, or had lived yeah. in. Yeah. You know, you, we were still living there. We were still living there were. when I was writing that. Yeah. 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 So, and, and then I was paranoid about living there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't read Midnight Rain until many years later because I would have been paranoid too. And I lived, Oh yeah. I lived, uh, I had the bedroom that was attached to the door um, so I had the den and it had the sliding glass door and mm-hmm. 
when you're a teenager, luckily, for the most part, even after something horrific happens, you still have this invincible feeling. So I, although giving me the, the room with the sliding door did turn out to be the right choice. Yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> because Mark, did. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Window. Yes. But um, it was... It, I also had the best view in the house, just saying, because mom took care of the little tiny one foot square garden. And then we had the little patio with the patio <laughs> furniture and the nice little fence. Um, but yeah, it it would have it, it that gave me so many story ideas, too, which we actually will be covering different ways to play with the muse and let your muse come out. And that is going to be another topic for another episode. But using what is around you to, to connect to your story is is really amazing. Um, what what else did you have in there that was a pro? Okay, oh, that right. So conflict generator, that was the first one. Yeah. And the second one is scene continuity, where if you have these things mapped out and you understand, you can see how pieces of your world fit together, then you will not screw up the story by yeah. having the bedroom on the second floor and then having it on the first floor and then having the bedroom window look east and then having it look west and then having all of these impossible screw-ups because you're kind of visualizing it in your head, but but not. Yeah, and you, you know, don't you realize a lot of people think, oh, well, I used to live here, so I won't make that mistake. Mm-hmm. But... Believe me, you'll still make mistakes. And if you think, well, it doesn't really matter, you it know, does. whether it's north or south, it not only does it matter, but or nobody will notice if you're thinking, no, that's BS. Somebody will notice. Somebody will call your ass out on it, and you don't <laughs> want it to be published because I I know you've had a couple of things that that were were inconsistent and people noticed. Yes. Oh, the big one was in the collaboration I did with Mercedes Lackey, where I was doing, uh, I, I used one of my dad's uh, weapons things to pull out a weapon that could be used as a sniper rifle. And I had, I was very specific. I knew which gun it was. It was absolutely perfect for what I needed. And I misunderstood the foot pounds abbreviation for the amount of, of you know damage for the for the the amount of weapon impact that this thing would do, and so I, in the book, d- expanded out what was abbreviated as foot pounds to pounds per square foot, which oh. is oh oh not <laughs> even remotely the same thing, and this is thinking that you know what you don't know because you got it out of a book and you don't understand the concepts behind it, and boy did I hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's yeah there's definitely you have to do research, but like she's saying, mapping things out makes it clearer to you. It it makes it so that you won't make the mistake, right? And then people won't be confused, won't call you out on it, won't right. And but it also, also makes it easier for them to live within your world. Yeah, and and you don't screw up things like having a character uh, travel a hundred miles one time in over a long period of time and then walk back home, you know, over a period of two days. Yeah. Uh, or or like me and uh, Wanda Lucia, I kept messing up the hours that it took to get from Florida to, to Wanda Lucia. And um, Matt, was, Matt was very 
I think he was very nice about it, but I, I <laughs> thought it was hilarious what he the way he wrote it, too. Even though it was not meaning to be hilarious, it was just kind of like, um, did, did you have you ever been to Florida from Georgia? You know, to me, that was in my head because I have done it many times. Right. But, you know, he's like, yeah, unless this, this, and this happened, it wouldn't take that long. And I was like, oh, oops. Right. Right. So, yeah. And so that changes the fact that there is a real specific time changes mm-hmm. what can happen in the story, which yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, okay. It, yeah, go ahead. So <laughs> that was scene continuity. Okay. The third one is verisimilitude, where if you have have built out this thing, this tangible thing, where whether it's a drawing of the area or whatever, you are then capable of describing it in a realistic fashion. Um, I did this beautiful map for, for um, uh, the main city in Arhel. Um where I just I drew a bunch of circles, and then uh, I had I had the whole thing on a hill so that you had these walls. The circles were all walls, and I had a wall down the center, and um, <clears throat> because the the male mage the mages the guys and the sages who were the female mages had had a war about eh, six hundred years ago. And the city was divided down the middle between the the path that was controlled by the mages and the half that was controlled by the sages. And and I was able to draw it. I was able to talk about this character, Fea, who was coming into the city for the very first time uh, by flying horse and who saw it out of the fogs, this, this place of fogs and bogs with this city rising up in the middle of all of this mist. And I could see it because I had drawn it. And yeah, I it was knew- actually a really cool moment as a reader who had n- not remembered you reading her Fire in the Mist. Yeah. To read it and to notice it and to have been in this character's, um, because she was a hill girl, basically. She was uh-huh. kind of, kind of the, not a redneck, but she, she was a country bumpkin, according to the city people. Right. And to have been in her character and see this city and to move through, it was a really beautiful moment in, in, it was the way it was written and everything too. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, that's, so verisimilitude, it allows you, if you have drawn the thing, then you can see the thing in your mind and you can understand how to describe it to someone else because you can see it yourself. Um, and, you know, if you, you have gone even, you know, more whole hog and built the space station or built the spaceship, then you can walk, that you can walk through with, in your 3D Minecraft map, then you know how long it takes to get one from one point to another. If you have to, if you have an emergency and you're running from one part of the ship to another part of the ship, or if you are in the space station and uh, an enemy attack is coming in from one side, you know where there, what the area that is that's going to get hit. And you also know which side is going to be safer and where they're going to have the, in a, the, the people put to, to try to protect them because they know this is coming in and um it, it allows well, you can you. also know like if you're looking at the map and you're looking at this 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 pullback and you see the space station and mm-hmm. you know that somebody is is hitting the space station with a certain amount of force and what the what the damage that the the rockets or or shells or magic or well there's no magic in in right. space but what the science does then you know what area to hit the space 
station at that'll cause this kind of damage. Right, or, and who is going to be there? Who's going to yep. die? Yeah, and or, or who's going to and how how you want to hide something that you have happened in that area that you want to blame on something else. Yes, I and, remember when I was writing uh, one of my first uh, screenplay fan fictions that I had written, and yes, I wrote a screenplay fan fiction. I'll try to find it and see if I can put <laughs> it up. Never finished it, but it was Lost in Space. I had a Mary Sue, and I was madly in love with Gary Oldman, and I, I say was because I am married now, and I, I do love my husband. And, uh, <laughs> and you have you have moved on. Um, well... <laughs> Um, <laughs> we'll I have to say that for legal reasons. <laughs> no, but um, I had drawn out these space stations, and again, this is this is learning from watching you do things and remembering how much I loved your art, and I truly believe that's why I'm a, an artist today. Um, but but having drawn out these space stations, um, how my particular airlock works and it worked, and this was before. I realized um, that there was kind of a set system. So I, my brain invented something that had already existed, but it was figuring out the way that that worked. Um, it was a way to connect with the science and the story and figure out how, to, how it worked. But it also helps you in creating conflict because if you like, like the first good thing and... I guess that kind of fit with all three. It helped with the conflict generation. It helped with uh, getting everything right. And it helped with what you're talking about now, the verisimilitude. Thank you, verisimilitude. <laughs> I've had problems pronouncing correct words. I'm not going to, or pro- easy words. I'm not getting that one right Sorry. today. Okay. Uh, the fourth thing then is this is really useful for series development because if you build out um, just a little bit beyond what you think you're going to need for the book um, and you build like some stubs and some placeholders, like I built a connector when I was building the first part of the uh, space station map, uh, Bailey's Irish Space Station. I built uh, this square and I was, oh, I built away and I filled it all up and but or I didn't fill it all up. I had it about maybe two thirds of the way full, and then I just built this little path out to one side, off into space. Put a door on it, and just let it sit there and let it perk in the back of my mind. And sure enough, I started thinking about well, what happens after all of the crap that happens in Longview because Bailey's Irish Space Station is still there. That's remarkably hard to say, Bailey's Irish. Space yes, it is. Station. It's a pain in the ass. Yes, that is very hard to say. But Bailey's um, yeah, is still that's there. That's what I always call it. Yes. And uh, the, the spaceships are tucked underneath of it. And suddenly I realized that there is something going on in the new section that creates more conflict after the Longview series. And Katie lives there. So I can use Bailey's as often as I want because she has a place there. And she might get a slightly nicer place now that she and Herrig are together. And I mean, she, and also that place, that older place has the memory of, of uh, Badger. Badger. Yeah. yeah. And but the cool thing too is like you said, if you build a little bit more than you need and you don't have to build it out, just make no. things larger. With with Wando Lucia, it's an entire town. And I've already mentioned the, the neighboring towns and the county 
and that, you know, so you've, you've got room to grow. Right, right. And you allow yourself with every new thing you build, you allow yourself to ask new questions. Okay, why is, and oh, there are some really cool buildings in the new section. So I will, I will get the map up today so that folks can download the current map if you've got Minecraft. And I have been asked this before, is there any way that you can make it available for PlayStation or for Xbox? No. (laughs) There isn't. There's no PC console um, availability there. Right, so no, this is is strictly uh, computer. Now, I'm doing it on a Mac, but fortunately the 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 game is built in javascript so it works on mac and pc so if you have minecraft or get want to get minecraft and walk around in the world and do find things and do stuff you can do that and uh there are i have built some little secrets into it and i will make sure that you clone in or you spawn in at the place where they're the secret start you just open the little box and read the instructions and then you can wander around and i made it a little bit of a game um, cause yeah, cause me. it's, well, it's a lot of fun that way. And yeah. it, and I will say too, like if you don't want, if you're looking at Minecraft, like it's a kid's game, it kind of is, but there's this creative ability and they've put so many more blocks in and, and design elements that it, it really is an amazing tool for writers to create these different worlds. Oh, and, and the version that I've got that I will put up today has all of my notes in it and if you wander around inside you will read my notes which are questions to myself and this is the process I use and I don't use it just in 3d maps I also use it on paper where I ask myself these questions and as you go through and read the questions you will learn the process that I use so there is an actual writing benefit yeah going in and looking around and if you have uh, been, if you were one of the people that had left us a review and uh, got Squick Studies, Squick Studies was actually created from one of those little questions that she left herself, or one of those little signs. It was just a, a sign, no more Squick Studies. And it was in one of the areas. And she ended up creating an entire story based on that. Yeah, yeah. And the, the building is in there. And the, the attic is all full of genetic stuff. And the basement, <clears throat> the basement is a little trap door that you have to go down. And you can see all of the areas where the, the geneticists are working. And the middle area is for clients. And because, you know, people come in and they, they say, I want to become a tiger person. And they can do that. <laughs> or, yeah, or I want to, I want to be... Um, I want to have these special abilities and they'll go in and they'll dig around and in your DNA and pull stuff from various species all around all the worlds that they have access to. And they'll, they'll build you something that'll let you become what you want to be. So Uh, let's get on to the negative effects. Yes. Okay. Because there are some. Yes. And, and the, the first one is the worst one. This is an awesome excuse to do not work. That's the one I knew existed. That's the oh, one because yeah. you get it's Be- <laughs> it's just this amazing game for writers where you get totally sucked in and lost. Mm-hmm. Because you get to say, "Hey, I'm working on my writing. I'm building a Minecraft map. I'm building the world. I'm asking myself questions. I am creating my conflict generator. <laughs> I'm drawing my my characters. I'm I'm yes. drawing I'm designing yeah. their costumes. I have to have this. 
I need this because otherwise, how am I going to be able to describe the costumes legitimately? I'm building the language because the language is going to give me the concepts for the later part of the book. And this is all real stuff. This is all stuff that truly works. Um, But it can become its own an end unto itself that keeps you from working. So we'll get to the, yeah, that, that, that's going to be well, the takeaway there. Uh, the second thing is you will get a runaway story um, where you just have all of this awesome stuff. And, oh, my God, it's so fun. And you have, you've put all of these different things in there. And you're building them into the story and building them into the story and building them. And all of a sudden you realize you are uh, 200, 300,000 words in and you're not even to the middle yet. Hmm. You are yeah, you are just so deep into this thing and your outline has gone insane and it, everything is proliferating. If you even have an outline. If well, you even have. A lot have, of pantsers can run or into oh God. this. No, this is, this is, this is hell for pantsers. Because if you are doing this and you don't have a a set end in sight going in, um, you end yeah. up like Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, yeah. That's this is this is the George R R Martin doom scenario right here, <laughs> uh, where you build and 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 you forget to think about how you're going to bring it all together. So that's a problem too. There are fixes for that. Okay, and the third thing is ridicule and mockery wherein people will make fun of you because you draw your maps or you make your little models or you play minecraft or whatever yeah i don't really give a shit about that but i know that that it Some is people do. it is actually yeah exactly yeah. and there's I'm, nothing wrong with with caring i i mean i just i don't know i i wear my weirdness as as part of me so you know it's <laughs> But I do get a lot of comments about how strange I am. The one thing I could say is is people don't think you're mature. Right. Um, you know, and that that it's it's like you're too childish, but I don't think that that's accurate. No. I don't think that that is an accurate word to describe what it is you are when you get locked into these different things. Right. It, no, that is, it is no, there's nothing childish about it. This is maintaining a tight connection with your creativity. Yeah, and, and I think people, imagination for a lot of people is linked to childhood because they've had it parsed out of themselves. Right, right, where, where they have been told, well, you know, that's nonsense. That's, that's for children, mm-hmm. you know, that you should not be use, using your time to, oh, my God, play video. You're an adult. Don't yeah, play video games anymore. Yeah, stop daydreaming and grow up. Or right. Some, some, yeah. Right, which is the death of creativity. Mm-hmm. Your objective, if you want to be a writer, is to throw yourself into this stuff, to allow your right brain to be a kid, because that's where this, you, you get to play, because that is where your creativity comes from, is your right brain being allowed to play with concepts and language and, and questions and you yes and that's part of the fun of being alive is being allowing yourself to be creative to be this kid to learn new things for as long as you are alive and if you are playing that's part of this if you are 
going into Minecraft or if you are drawing maps or if you are drawing pictures of your characters. You know, that is not an immature, childish thing. Mm-hmm. That is connecting with your right brain. And to do this, to do this well, to do this so that you can do create work that other people will enjoy reading, you have to connect with your right brain because that's where all the good shit is. Yeah. So, so what is the takeaway for today's episode? Okay. The takeaway is before you do all of this stuff, get your words first. <laughs> Every day you go in and you do your words first. Okay. Well, and, there and was you have- um, the, the, in our research uh, episode, you gave a couple of different options. And one of them was to spend a month doing your research. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a good way to look at it too, is is maybe still keep doing free writing and stuff so that you're still working. Right. But take a month or, or two months and give yourself that deadline and spend a month or two just world building. I mean, yeah. that, that seems like a huge vacation to me. Yeah. Not not vacation as in I'm going to go relax on a beach, but vacation as as in the kind that I would love to do, which is go to a city and spend a month there and just go to museums and read books on it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, that that's, it's, it's like a fantasy world that you get to live in for two months. Right. Well, I, I have to say because I was always working on, working on a contract or working toward yes. a contract, I can build a whole world with cultures and languages and uh, all of these and maps and everything in about two well, weeks. And you can still do it while writing, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I can do it while writing because I have had to. But yeah. so, you know, this this is something that if you don't have a month or two, if you are if you are feeling the pressure of I have to produce something, you can do this. Just do it. Just get your words first every day. If you, so that so that if you are currently writing something and you need to come up with the next project, um, or a different project, or you you really need a break from the thing you've been writing, then this can be your playtime afterwards in which you are creating something that you will use um, and that will give you a different direction in which to go uh, and, and just that will make you happy, that will make your inner child so happy. And yeah, yeah and then the other thing is is to focus on creating tangible artifacts, things that you can look at and see. You know, flat maps count, 3D maps count, little figurines that you that you build out of clay or Play-Doh, or if you like to whittle, that you carve out of wood, um, things that you can see and touch um, and, and maybe listen to. Uh, I have written songs for books. They are not good songs. And I am not a great singer, and I am a lousy guitarist, but I have written songs for books. And they allowed me to get inside the characters' heads. They allowed me to understand an important issue from the story from a different direction. Um, And they gave me an excuse to play the guitar for a few hours. Uh, (laughs) So it's just... It's just that you need to connect to your world in ways that people who don't do this will not understand. And they don't have to understand it. 
you know, they're, they are looking at the end product, which is you're going to tell them a really cool story that is going to feel real to them. But the way you tell them a story that is going to feel real to them is that you first make it real for yourself. Yeah. 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 So is there anything else that you feel that we need to add to this at all? I, I think we've pretty much got this. Yeah, I mean, I think we did a really good job in covering everything. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, if you have any questions or you want us to go even more in depth to something, although I can't imagine that, um, just you can either leave a comment at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. Make sure you're commenting on the correct episode and let us know. Or you can uh, connect even deeper with both of us as well as the other people by joining the free forums at hollyswritingclasses.com. Just create an account and find our podcast forms and drop in so that's that's one way to connect with us let us know if you have any questions if you want us to go in depth on anything else you can follow us on the socials that's instagram and twitter at a-i-a-r-w-i-p we are also on facebook alone with alone in a room with invisible people um we are no longer doing the ebooks for reviews so um yeah that's that's done (laughs) but we still really really appreciate the reviews yeah we do we actually got uh two new ones recently and i mean it it we already feel great about doing this and connecting with you guys but the reviews really uh they mean a lot to us because they help us meet new new guys and that's yeah yeah that's a big deal the word gets out there you know and it we also you know we're people so when the reviews are good it it makes us feel good so uh you can (laughs) join holly's patreon if you are interested in supporting her fiction that is just look up holly lyle l-i-s-l-e on patreon.com if you want to support the podcast as as a patron we also have a patreon there it is um again just look up you can use the search for Alone with Invisible People, Alone in a Room with Invisible People, or just look up A-I-A-R-W-I-P. If you would like to support the podcast, but not on a monthly basis, we have three different options. That is at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. You can look on the top right, and it gives you three tiers of support. Um, Honestly, every single dollar helps. Every every little bit counts. It it makes a difference, and we appreciate everybody who's already a Patreon, everybody who's already donated. We really can't express, you know, how wonderful it is to know that that there are people out there that feel that this podcast is is just as important as we feel it is yeah it's we love doing this we really love doing this and we love knowing that it matters to you yeah it's a big deal (laughs) yeah we love being able to hear your success stories too and how things have have something that we have said you connected to and it made a difference so thank you for letting us know that as well if you need to email us for any reason it's show at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com and i think that's it i think that is so go live in your world now go make it real and now a word from our sponsor you want to write You love words, you love fiction, but you don't know where to start or how to middle or where to finish. I do. I'm Holly Lyle, and I've been doing this professionally since 1991. And I know how I did what I did to go pro, and I'll be happy to show you what I've learned. 
Start with my free three-week flash fiction class at hollyswritingclasses.com.